joining us here at Rinkin Church of God. We have a family whose first Sunday was last weekend, and they're from all the way from South Dakota. There, there's... There's people coming from Pennsylvania. There's people coming from Michigan. Uh, there's people coming from everywhere. Let's pray for somebody from Hawaii who will send us all out there on a missions trip. How about that? All right. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. And, and man, we're, I'm pumped up. I'm fired up today, as you can tell. I, I have been in multiple. This has been a week of being in church all week for me. I was in a, uh, in a, at a conference in Orlando the first two days of the week representing you. Our church was in, I was invited to represent you as one of the top 200 churches in the church of God. That's you. And then at the end of the week, I was in Tifton at a prayer conference, but my favorite part of the week is what's happened right here in this room over the last 48 hours. We've had 43 uh, around 43 plus maybe uh, married couples who have been with us um, all weekend long, Friday night and last night, and we have had an incredible marriage weekend as we've been pouring into them and their families, and uh, it's just been an awesome weekend together. And, uh, and we have had with us a uh, very special guest, uh, Dwayne and Donna Leip, our pastors of the uh, Life Point Church up in Grayson, Georgia, the Loganville area. And uh, they are no stranger to many of us. Uh, Dwayne and Donna were with us two years ago for our marriage weekend. And as soon as that weekend was over, I was like, I'm inviting them back again. I just need a buffer in between. And uh, let me go ahead and say, I've got one more buffer in between. I'm going to go ahead and invite you all back for 2025. Is that all right with anybody? All right. And, and the reason why, there's many reasons why I love this couple, but uh, one of the most important is that Dwayne and I, Dwayne's one of the best friends I have. I don't have a better friend uh, here on, on the planet. I don't have a physical brother, but I have a spiritual brother in Dwayne. And he and I, our paths crossed in the early 2000s. He was a youth pastor in Statesboro when I was youth pastoring here. And then they moved in the mid-2000s to plant Life Point Church. And for 17 years, they've been planting a life-giving church in that area. And God's using them in a mighty way to see people reach for the gospel. Next week, they'll be married 37 years. So that means that they've gone through a lot of bumps and bruises and ups and downs. And they've been sharing those with us. And, uh, and more than all of that, they are, uh, they are people who love Jesus and love the people of God, and they uh, love to pour into others. And so we're so glad that they were able to get a weekend away to be with us today. So will you give Dwayne and Donna a big hand as they come to minister the Word of God to us today? Wow. What a resume. Thank you. Um, Les, can I talk about your pastor for just a minute? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Les and I, Les is, uh, I, the sentiments are the same. I, I, I look at Les like a brother. And uh, we, we have this ongoing just uh, kind of ribbing that we do with each other. I'll, and I think I'm worse at it than he is. Um, I'll start talking about how wonderful and great he is, and he thinks that I'm being sarcastic, and most of the time I am. Um, but I, I heard him say something just now, um, that you're in one of the best churches in Effingham County. Can I just, I'm going to tell you, you guys are in the best church in this county this morning. I believe that. You guys have welcomed us in, and and um, we just consider this our home away from home. We just love you guys. We love this church. We love your pastor. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture of your pastor and me up on the screen. That's what we like to do together. We like to go to Braves games. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was this past year. Somebody said, has, has Pastor Les ever given you any life-giving advice? And so I'm going I'm to tell you uh, the one thing that Les told me many, many years ago that, that just has, has just just resonated in my soul these many, many, many years. He said, Dwayne, Dwayne, don't be an idiot. <laughs> Changed my life. If you got that reference, we need to be friends. Uh, we're going to jump right in and just share the word with you. Donna and I have been married. Uh, we've had 35 years of wedded bliss, 37 total, but 35 that were really happy. <laughs> just kidding. And uh, we, we just we bring you greetings from our church in Loganville. We're, we're just so thankful to be here with you. We're going to talk about uh, families today. Um, I talked about how much I love your pastor. 
But I, I need to just stop and just tell you, I have another friend you guys sang about him this morning. I, I love those lyrics. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. And I've come to know him well. So this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about your family, and we're going to talk about Jesus. I knew that I had landed on the right message after everything was over last night. And Pastor Les stood up and he started talking about this Abide series that you guys have been in to start your year. And, and when, when Pastor was talking like that, I, I, this, I just sensed the Spirit of the Lord bring an assurance that we were going to talk about the right thing this morning. So let's jump right in. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Very familiar passage of scripture. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you'll serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. If you refuse to serve the Lord, choose today who you'll serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Father, over the next few minutes, open your word to us. Holy Spirit, anoint us to hear, anoint us to speak. Use this time. Help us to gain value for our families and value for our souls, not because you've heard a good sermon, not because we've heard great songs, but because we serve a mighty Savior. And the Holy Spirit is among us to anoint and bless and teach and convict and challenge. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. That wasn't everybody, but we'll, we'll call it close. I'm a, I have a heart for families. I always have. Uh, the first assignment Donna and I had after we got married, we got married as children. The first assignment we had was to teach a marriage class. I told them last night it was kind of comical because we'd argue all the way to church and then teach a marriage class. You've heard the statistics that one in uh, that 50% of marriages end in divorce. Have you heard that statistic? Have you? Yeah. yeah. So if th this is how it's going to work. If I say have you and you have, you say yes. So, so have you? Yeah. Okay, now, now we're, we're communicating. How would you like it if I could give you a tool, three small steps to divorce-proof proof your marriage? Would you like that? Yeah. Have you? Would you like that? Yeah. Three small steps to go from... One in two marriages ending in divorce to one in 1,246. That if you'll do these three things, the odds of you getting divorced go from one in two to one in 1,246. Would you like that? Three things. You ready? And you've already done one of them. Go to church with your wife. Go to church with your spouse. Talk about the Bible and pray together. If you'll do those three things, the odds of you ending your marriage and divorce go from 1 in 2 to 1 in, 2040, 1 in 1,246. I like those odds. But the truth of the matter is everyone in this house, every family in this room, every family watching us online is in need of a fixer-upper. My wife, listen, you guys got to know her this past. My wife loves those HGTV fixer-upper shows. Any of y'all like those? <clears throat> I hate them. <laughs> because my wife is a list person. And when she watches those shows, the list begins. And they, they make it look like you can completely renovate this bathroom in 30 minutes. And that's not how it works in my house. It takes a minute. So she watches these, and, and I, I might have exaggerated. I don't hate them. Uh, I kind of enjoy it because I like Demo Day. Anybody like Demo Day? I might not can build something, but I can tear some stuff up. Here's what I've learned about renovation. Sometimes it's simple, but most of the time it's complex. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it costs something, and most of the time it costs more than you thought. Is that true? It takes time, oftentimes more time than you understand. And it's impossible to do it by yourself. So here's the deal. No family in this room is a perfect family. We all need renovation. I thought I'd look into the Bible. Let me, let me find an example of a perfect family in the Bible. Couldn't find one. Started at the beginning with 
Adam's family. Well, that didn't work. Adam started by complaining about his wife, blamed his own sin on his wife, right? And then, oh, by the way, the brother, one of the brothers killed the other brother. That's, that's dysfunction. So how about, how about Abraham's family? You know, Abraham's the father of the three largest religions in the world. How, he must have had his act together. Nope. Abraham lied, told a bunch of people his wife was his sister. That's kind of weird. <laughs> had a child with another woman. And then there's that whole deal about, you know, taking his son up the mountain and strapping him to an altar. Now, I know he was following the direction of the Lord. But can you imagine his poor son? Every time, you know, somebody was chopping onions in the kitchen for dinner. He's freaking. Every time he saw a knife from that day forward, he had. Abraham's nephew, Lot. How about that? Lot offered his daughter to a group of rapists. That's kind of, that's kind of messed up. Isaac. Isaac. Little family favoritism going on there. Uh, his wife, Rebecca, loved Jacob more than Esau. The mom and Jacob plot this deal against Esau. And it, it's just dysfunctional when, when uh, you know, that there's favoritism in the family. Somebody said, which kid do you like the most? And I'm like, it depends on the day. <laughs> How about Jacob? Jacob had 13 kids. That's not so bad, but by four different women. How about King David? King David. Man after God's own heart. Mighty warrior. Not so much as a husband and a father. He had eight wives. Married one of them twice. Thirteen kids, one of them hated him. Mary and Joseph. Now, I, we, we see Mary and Joseph as, uh, you know, the earthly parents of our Savior. But the scandal of being a teenage girl... In, that, in those days, pregnant. And then, no, it's God's son. Oh, okay. No such thing as a perfect family. Not yours, not mine. Here's the beautiful part of this story, y'all. Our brokenness gives God an opportunity to extend his grace. Our brokenness, our failure, our dysfunction, our issues, and we've all got them, gives God an opportunity to display his grace and mercy and power in our life and giving you an incredible testimony of the power of God in your own life. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. In insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. In my weakest moment, Christ is able to show himself strong. And he is, by the way. See, I, I, I was kind of kidding a little. I said we had 35 great years, 37 total. There were a couple of rough ones. And I bet any of you guys that have been married any length of time, you can say with assurance that there's, there's been a tough time. But you see, in, in those two years or two-ish years that were very challenging and very difficult, now we can look back and see God's hand and His mercy and His grace and His goodness because our brokenness gives God a chance to show off. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about uh, the, the fixer-upper part of this, of this message. It's going to concentrate on, on the part of a building that's essential. We're going to talk about the foundation. See, if... If you were looking for a house, you were shopping for a home, and, and you came across a house and it had some plumbing issues, that, that's not ideal, but, but it can be fixed. If you came across a, an electrical problem, not a deal breaker, it, it can be fixed. If there's a structural issue, a wall, we can rebuild that. But if the foundation is faulty... It doesn't matter how much curb appeal it has. If the foundation is faulty, uh, you got work to do. And so today we're going to talk about our foundation. Because foundation issues require immediate attention. If you're buying a, a home and, and, and you got a foundation issue, here, you don't worry about decorating. You don't worry about painting. You don't worry about wallpapering. You don't worry about furnishing. you got to fix the foundation first. And every family has a foundation. The truth is... Foundations tend to get overlooked. You've never had a, a dinner party. You've never had your small group come over to your house. Because you know how you do when, when people are coming over, you, 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 you know, you 
you clean up real nice and make sure everything's go, you know, looks nice and you, you, you light all the candles and you shove all the junk in a closet and close it up. You know how that, how that works. Nobody walks in and says, man, you got a great home. The foundation is solid. No. That's, but guess what? If, if there's a problem in that foundation, nothing else is going to work. And, it, and your foundation might be your family business. It might be your money. It might be your pursuit of the American dream. It might be that family time. It might be, I just got to get through Monday to Friday so we can get on the boat and, and get on the lake. And those things are great. It might be your children. And if, if your foundations, your children, that, that sounds good on paper, but here's a problem. The divorce rate for empty nesters has skyrocketed over the last two decades. There's even a term for it. They call it the 25-year itch. Maybe your foundation is just survival. I just got to get through the week. I just want to get through today. I just want to get through this meeting. I just want to... Maybe your foundation is the addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe you're just trying to stay sober. I get it. Maybe your foundation is your religion. The truth of the matter is the strength of the foundation will determine the strength of your family. And this is true for all families, regardless of your dynamics. See, I can look across a room this morning, and I, I'm sure that there's uh, two-parent families, there's single-parent families, uh, there's divorced and remarried families, there's families with a bunch of kids, there's families with no kids. It, see, regardless of your family dynamic, your foundation has to be secure. Because building a house on an unstable foundation is dangerous. And the problem with an unstable foundation is that it can take years to, to reveal itself. And it may not reveal itself until a storm hits. I was, uh, I looked at a survey, a study from a place called the Institute for Business and Home Safety. And here's what they did. It's kind of a cool kind of experiment. In, in this big wind tunnel, they built two identical homes, two identical 1,300 square foot houses. They built one house to conventional standards, just like you would go out to any subdivision and buy a builder-grade home. They built it just like that. And they built the second house to what they call fortified standards. The house on the left was built to traditional standards. The house on the right, they strapped every part of the house. Play that again, Jack. The house on the right was built to fortified standards. Look what happened when they 110 mile an hour winds. The house built to, to build its standards could not stand. But a house that was fortified to its foundation only, only had cosmetic damage. It stood strong because it had a strong, steady, sure foundation. And it's just important for it is that for your house to have a firm foundation, it's much more critical that your home has one. So I'm going to tell you what I've learned is the only sure foundation for your house and for your home, and it's faith. And not just faith, specifically faith in the rock that is Christ Jesus. A home built on any other foundation is unstable at best. Well, Dwayne, that's, that's kind of closed-minded. See, I, I, that's kind of short-sighted no it's just the bible the bible says in first corinthians chapter 3 for no one can lay any found any foundation any foundation other than the one we already have jesus christ proverbs 10 says when the storms of life come the wicked are whirled away but the godly have a lasting foundation I want my life and I want my home secured and fortified to the foundation that is Christ Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. If you've built your life, if you've built your home on anything else, on anything else, You've built it on your career, and you've built it on the American dream, and you've built it on your 401k, and you've built it on your education, and you've built it on this ideal of what you have and what you own. If you've built it, listen, listen carefully, it will fall. Christ is solid rock. We stand. Listen, I'm not telling you that your children... And your grandchildren and your career and your income. I'm not telling you those things aren't important because they are. They're critically important. But I want to build those things on the right foundation. I'm going to share something with you that that I I shared with our men at the marriage retreat. Because I've learned something. Um, (laughs) I was kidding my wife, kidding you about my wife being a list person. But I'm kind of a list person too. I have this insane need to check off my to-do list. Is it, please tell me I'm not the only one that, that likes to have a to-do list, and at the end of the day, if all the boxes are checked, you feel good about yourself. Oh, hallelujah. But, but the reverse is true, too. If there's, if there's boxes that didn't get checked, I got anxious. And so I wanted to make sure that I had, I had merged my walk with Christ into my to-do list, into my priority list. And it just didn't work. Because the truth is, whatever is urgent in that moment takes precedence over every priority in your life. If, if you're working on a list. See, if I were to ask you, what's the important part? What, what's the priority in your life? You know, we, because we're, we're in a church this morning and we're godly people. We'd say, well, we put God first and then we... Put our family and then our work and then and that sounds so good it just doesn't work it doesn't work a priority list doesn't work at least it didn't for me so I'd like to show you how God told me to build my life and maybe you can you can glean something from that and and listen I, I don't want to sometimes when preachers get up and start talking about what what God showed them everybody gets nervous so I'm just, I just, just go with me. There's, there's going to be a picture pop up on the screen of a wheel. And uh, so that's what I saw in my heart. And God was like, all right, that's your life. Okay. Help me understand what you're, what you're talking about, Lord. And, I, and he said, all of those spokes are those things that you juggle day to day to day to day. Your responsibilities at church, your responsibilities to your family. And in those days, we had two teenage boys at home, and they were very active at school. And so I was going to golf practice and football practice and baseball practice and doing all of those things and going back and forth, trying to be, you know, an involved dad, trying to keep that spinning. Our church was was new at the time and, and, you know, trying to... You know, keep all those things spinning. I'm trying to be the husband that God's called me to be. Trying to keep all that spinning. I'm trying to balance my social life and be friends to people. And it just, I just found myself just, split, you know, spinning the plates and spinning the plate. And, and, and they would always, one would always fall. Because there's just not, how I many know there's just not enough time? And I don't know why it works this way, but maybe you, you found it this way too. When your life gets busy, you're like, oh, man, I, I didn't do my devotion this morning. I didn't spend any time with Jesus this morning. I, so God showed me this wheel. He said that all of those spokes are all of those things you're trying to keep going. In the center of that wheel, this, that passage in Matthew popped in my heart. But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. He said, attach every part of your life. To the rock of Christ. He has got to be the hub of your wheel. And I'd like to tell you that from that day till this. I, I've, I've gotten it right every day. And I haven't. But can I tell you my life is in, a, is in a completely different order. Because when I find things in my life. That I can't attach to Jesus. I need to send it away. If I can't 
funnel a relationship or an activity or a part of my life, if I can't attach that to the hub of the wheel that is Christ Jesus, then it probably doesn't belong. And here's what I've learned, y'all. That a foundation of faith, just like that, a foundation where we've established every part of our life, our, our, our children, our families, our work, our relationships, our friendships, our money, that kind of faith foundation will weather the storms of life. When those winds, those hundred mile an hour winds start to blow, you know somebody that's gone through hell on this planet and they're solid as a rock. And, and people wonder, how do they, how do, how do they survive when, when you lose a spouse? How do you survive when you lose a child? How do you survive when the, the job that you held on to for years and years and years and years and years was just gone? You survive because you've attached your life to a solid foundation. Here's, here's what Matthew said. Here's what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And the rains came in torrents and the floodwaters rise. And the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Because, but, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. The rains and floods came and the winds beat against that house. And it's, it collapsed with a mighty crash. I want to build my house on the rock of Christ. In 2004, we did a, um, a relief trip from Statesboro. Uh, some of you remember Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans. And we had this incredible opportunity to go in right after it happened. Before they were letting even some people come back to their homes, we, we, we got in because we got connected with a pastor. And I... I'm standing in, in New Orleans at what they called Ground Zero, where the levee broke. And, and I'm standing literally beside two foundations. And there's one home that it, it took some damage. And it was underwater, but it was still on its foundation. And then there was another home. Y'all, and it, I, I'm not getting, I'm not exaggerating. This house was in shambles a hundred feet away from its foundation. I'm not telling you that the storms won't come. I'm not going to stand on this stage in my, my dear friend's church and say, you know, if, if, if you come to the Rinkin Church of God and, and get connected to a small group and pay your tithes, you'll never have another problem in your life. Your kids will never struggle. You'll never deal with physical ailments. I'm not going to tell you that because many of you already know that would be a lie. I am going to tell you that if you'll fortify your life and fortify your home, to the rock of Christ Jesus and let him be your foundation. When the storms come, you'll stand. I, I was listening to the pastor as he was praying because I, I, I bet you're here. And you said, Dwayne, we did that. And our kids struggled. And he's still struggling. She's still struggling. She's a prodigal. You build a faith, a faith foundation on the rock of Christ. You know what you do? You give the prodigal something to come home to. Let's do this. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for prodigals right now. In faith believing. God, bring them home. In Jesus' name. God, I, I've got prodigals in my own family. Bring them home in Jesus' name. Amen. How many agree with that with me right now? Amen. Give the Lord praise. A faith foundation on the rock of Christ will be a constant reminder, listen, that God has a plan. We already said it. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great thought on Sunday morning? Listen, that's even the wrong question. I read one study that asked the question, that wanted to determine what percentages of marriages fell into the happy and healthy category. Less than one-third. So listen, the goal isn't just to stay married. The goal for you and for me and for all of us is abundant life. 
The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Aren't you thankful Jesus didn't stop there? He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. See, that's what Jesus wants for your family and for your marriage, not just to stay connected for the kids' sake, but to thrive and, and, and have an abundant, full, rich, abundant life. That's what he wants for you, and you can have it. Jeremiah said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a future and a hope. So I, I get that every family in this room is dealing with your own set of issues. I get it. And, and I know that the, the spectrum is broad. See, some of you are thinking, if I could just get my kid to pick up his socks. We were never able to get our kid to pick up his socks. He still doesn't pick up his socks. He's 30 years old. And some of you are dealing with much more weighty issues than that. And I don't want to, I would never want to offer some religious platitude to gloss over that incredible pain that you're walking through right now. I would, I would never want to do that. I, don't, I wouldn't want to insult you that are walking through serious stuff right now, this morning, with just some glossy platitude. I do want to say this, though. Regardless of the intensity of your particular situation, it doesn't extend beyond the reach of God's plan and provision. See, it, regardless of how big the crack is in the foundation, can, just let me say it like this, Jesus can fix it. God's way works, and it works for everybody. So what does that look like? What, what does a faith foundation on the rock of Christ look like? I'm going to take the last part of this, this time that I have with you and, and see if we can talk about that. See, a, a genuine faith foundation is evidenced by faithfulness to God and to our families. How many families are destroyed? How many marriages are torn apart because someone was unfaithful? The statistics are staggering. What I want to submit to you this morning is that I'm not faithful to my wife because I took a vow. I'm not faithful to my wife because I have some heightened sense of morality. I'm faithful to my wife for one reason. I'm faithful to my wife in response to God's faithfulness to me. Because he is. God is faithful to us. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him. A thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. God's faithfulness is unconditional. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. God will never change who he is because you stopped being who you said you were. God's faithful. God's faithfulness says four things to us. I'll never leave you. I'll keep my promise. I have a plan, and I'm in control. So if God's faithful to us, then now our response is to be faithful to him. I grew up in, in the church of God, and, and my home church was pretty strict. In fact, in my home church, and I love my home church, but in my home church, if you were smiling, you were probably sinning. <laughs> right? If it was fun, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. And I didn't understand because we would take these, these uh, we, we called them practical commitments. When we would come up and join the church and the pastor would say, all right, now this, here's what we don't do. We don't go to movies. We don't wear makeup. And we don't wear jewelry and, and, and all this all this stuff, and I'm like, well, all those women that stood up there had on makeup and jewelry. I don't understand. And we're going to the movie Wednesday night after youth group, and I don't understand. And, and, and so we, we attached 
the faithfulness that we were going to have to our church to some long list of rules and regulations that nobody kept. And I'm going to tell you that that's not the way faithfulness looks. That faithfulness to God isn't a burden, it's a blessing. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 20 that a faithful person will be blessed. And oh, by the way, as a follower of Christ, our faithfulness to God is expected. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So here's what our faithfulness to God says. I believe in you. I trust you. I need you. I'm broken. You're in control. I surrender. When you live your life in full response to God's faithfulness to you, it's evidence, listen, by your faithfulness to God that results in this, our faithfulness to each other. No couple plans on adultery. And it doesn't happen because you wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be unfaithful to my wife. It's one compromise that follows another. And so my job is not to be faithful to her. My job is to recognize God's faithfulness to me, return that to him, and because I'm faithful to God, I'm going to be faithful to her. See, here's what God wants for our marriage. And when I said faithful to her, here's what that means in our minds. Well, we're just not going to have, you know, we're not going to have any hanky-panky with anybody but our wife. Is that our standard? Is it? All right, I'm, I'm a husband, and I'm, I, didn't have, I didn't sleep with any other women. I don't look at porn. I don't go to strip clubs. I'm husband of the year. No. Faithfulness to my spouse goes beyond just saying no to sexual activity outside of marriage. It's saying yes to my role. It's saying yes to loving her like Christ loved the church. It's saying yes to serving her like Christ served the church. My job as a man of God and as a Christian husband and father is to say no to me and yes to her and yes to him first. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, give honor to marriage, remain faithful to one another in marriage, and God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Here's, here's, I said all that to say this. I don't want to stand here and, and talk about some abstract idea of building our life on Christ. I want our marriages. I want this church, my home church to live a life of example to a world that desperately needs to see it. Because the, the truth of the matter is we, as, as the big C, as, as, as the church across North America, we, we don't do a better job at marriage than, than secular, the secular world. Let's turn that tide. Let's build our lives on the rock of Christ. And it's not too late to build a faith foundation. So here's what I'd, I'd love to do this morning. I want to pray for you. Our worship team's getting ready to come back. And in just a, just a moment, we're going we're gonna to have a, an opportunity to make... I don't want to use the word commitment. We talked about covenant last night. But, but maybe you're here and, and you'd say, Dwayne, I, I, I'm a good man. I'm a, I, I, I've got my act together. I've I got a good job. I come to church. We're here. But is your life securely fastened, fortified to the rock that is Christ Jesus? Is he your foundation? Is he the hub of your wheel? Les said some pretty nice things. Let let me tell you who I am. I'm just a guy. But something happened when I was 14 years old. I fell in love with Jesus. And he changed my life. And I've spent the last years and years and years and years trying to know him better. And and so what I'm going to tell you, I can tell you with conviction. There is no foundation that will stand like the foundation of Christ Jesus. So I'd love you to bow your heads across this room.
You know, prayer appeals like this one are challenging because there's a huge spectrum of where you're at in this room. Some of you may, may not be following Christ at all. And if that's the case, if you walked in this building and, and you don't know Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, that changes today. You can leave here with your foundation secured on the rock of Christ. His name's Jesus, y'all. Oh, don't you just love him? Man, if you're in the room and you love Jesus, would you just start telling them how much you love him today? So if you're here and you don't know him, would you invite him into your life today? Would you confess your sins to him? Would you commit the rest of your life to pursuing him with everything in you? Maybe you're here. You say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm having a hard time keeping the plates spinning. I got too many spokes in the wheel. And sometimes my, my walk with Christ seems to get pushed to the wayside. It seems to get put to the back burner. And today I need to make him hub of the wheel. I need to attach every other part of my life to the foundation of Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here sitting beside your spouse. You say, Dwayne, I want the blessing of God to reign over my family for a thousand generations. When I leave this world, I want my one legacy to be that I led my wife, my children, my husband, my grandchildren to a saving knowledge of Jesus. I want the blessing of God to extend across my family long after I'm gone. If that's your desire, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do. When this worship team begins to sing, I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to stand across this altar, and we're going to pray together. Come on, stand to your feet.
upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 As we were praying just a moment ago, praying with some of these families, the Lord dropped something in my spirit I want to leave you with today. Knowing some of the stories of those of you who are 
here in this altar and uh, knowing the stories in this room of what God has done and what He's doing. Our theme of our retreat this weekend was um, the art of marriage. And I had this picture in my mind of how, you know, sometimes if you're working on a project, it could be a fixer-upper, like an art project, you can can be going in one direction and it can just turn out to be a mess. And you're like, how do I fix this? And we were doing some art projects in here the other night and some people were like, "I, I really messed this up. But as I was praying over you guys this morning, it's like the Lord brought it in my mind that um, God is, the first name we learn about who God is, is Elohim, the creator God. And uh, as, uh, as Toby Mack once said, God is a very creative artist. And he can take something out of nothing. And then he also can take what we are given and we muck it up and mess it up and flub it up and he can recreate it into something beautiful amen how many of you would say that's a testimony of my family he's created something beautiful and i'm just so thankful that we serve the god of the impossible amen so no matter how far your situation is today you have been given enough today to work on all week long i won't re-preach pastor Dwayne's message but thank you so much Pastor Dwayne, that is a powerful message for us today. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. God bless you. We'll see you back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night. Have a great day.